Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. I'm Bob Lovell, and we are glad you're with us. We're in the week number two of season number 30. Coming up, more racing, college football, some baseball. Right now, though, he's the star of our show for a very good reason. He's got all the info you could possibly want on a very busy, busy race weekend. It's Network Indiana's Nathaniel Finch. Now it works. Hello and welcome here in downtown Indianapolis. A pleasure to be joining you with Coach Level. How about Jonathan Smith behind the glass today? We've got our five-minute scoreboard update and no shortage of sports to talk about. The Colts, hey, they had a game today. 23-19, to 19, they fall in Buffalo, but some bright spots. Gardner Minshew, 6-for-6, six six, 72 yards, leads the Colts in passing. And a slew of running backs had some good runs as well. But how about Anthony Richardson, 7-for-12, 67 yards, an interception. Here's what head coach Shane Steichen thought about his performance today. I thought he had great poise. I really did. I know we had the early interception. Um, that's my fault. We got to do a better job communicating there on that one. Uh, they brought you know slot pressure off the edge, and you know there's a miscommunication that starts with coaching, starts with myself. We got to be better there. Other than that, uh, I thought he was efficient. He threw some good balls. Uh, he was calm in the pocket. Hit Granson over the middle. Threw a nice deep ball to Pierce. Um, a lot of good there though. And then you hear Anthony Richardson's thoughts on his first start. It was fun, you know, just playing football again. That was that was fun, uh, getting back in the groove. You know, uh, the first drive uh, wasn't the best, you know, turnover. You know, we want to try to limit those as best as possible. You know, try to just find a way to manage it instead of trying to force it to be Superman. But, you know, a uh, learning experience for everybody and just first experience overall, I feel like it was pretty good. The Colts didn't win, but they did score three touchdowns. Here's the first one in quarter two, Jake Funk. Minshew high snap gives off to Jake Funk touchdown Jake Funk rumbles into the end zone untouched and the Colts are on the board with three seconds remaining in the first half Colts now trail by four it's 10 to six Matt Taylor with the call and then in the third quarter the Colts actually took the lead against the Bills here's that call Bim stays in as the back to the right of Allen. Again, he's looking to pass in. He's going to have to check it down, and it's picked off by the Colts. The Colts are running the other way with it down the far sideline, and they're going to take it in for a touchdown. The Colts score on a pick six by Darius Rush. That was in Buffalo, but what was in Indianapolis? How about some action at the Speedway? We've talked about it quite a bit today on this show already. How about what happened in the Gallagher Grand Prix? Here you go. Fence auto parts, twin checkered flag is in the air, and Scott Dixon will not be denied. He keeps the streak intact. 19 consecutive years with at least one win. He goes to victory lane, wins the Gallagher Grand Prix. Graham Rahal finishes second, Pato Award third, Christian Lundgaard is fourth, and Alexander Rossi completes the top five. 319th consecutive start for Scott Dixon today. And then, like you heard on that call from Mark Jaynes on the IMS Radio Network, 19 consecutive seasons with a win. That wasn't the only race, though, at the Speedway today. Both road courses. This is the Xfinity Series in NASCAR. The checkered flag is in the air. Congratulations to Ty Gibbs, who's going to go to victory lane at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. He wins the Pennzoil 150 at the Brickyard. Sam Mayer second. A.J. Allmendinger is third. Austin Hill is fourth. And Justin Allgaier completes the top five. The NASCAR Cup guy. 
guys will go at it tomorrow, but a great day and a great weekend in racing here in Indianapolis. As far as some baseball, Cubs win 5-4 to four against Toronto. The Tigers winners 6-2 to two in Boston. The Guardians fall to Tampa Bay on the road 6-5. to five. Cardinals, this game final, a little bit of a sweat from Kansas City. This one at the Royals, but how about the Cardinals holding off 5-4, to four, the final score there. Not as much luck for the White Sox, though. At home, bottom of the ninth, could not get it done. They fall to Milwaukee 3-2. to two. Looking at some other scores from around baseball. How about the Braves, bottom of the ninth, leading 6 to nothing against the Mets. That's after they won... 21 to 3. Yes, 21 to 3 in the first game of the doubleheader. 6 nothing. They lead the Mets right now in the bottom of the ninth. You'll hear me in 15 minutes. Nathaniel Finch for Network Indiana Sports. Welcome back, everyone. We're talking some uh, college football in a second right now. Let's take a chance to spend some time with the Hall of Fame broadcaster, voice of the Indianapolis Indians, the legendary Howard Kelman. Indians 3 to 2 winners over Nashville. Just a big win, Howard. Great win for the Indians tonight. Well, exactly, Bob, because it snapped a six-game losing streak. Things had not been going well. And this was a great right. game. It was played in, played in under two hours and 15 minutes, very few walks, very few strikeouts. And the Indians got a home run from Domingo Leyva early in the game, a two-run homer, added a run. They had a 3-1 to one lead going to the ninth. Nashville gets three hits to make it three to two and has meant it second and third with two outs, potential tying and go-ahead runs in scoring position. Travis McGregor on the mound, Brian Navarretto batting for Nashville, and he popped it up. He popped it up, final out, caught by the first baseman, and the Indians win the game. Yikes. Ten hits tonight. Uh, very impressive offensive outing for the Indians. Uh, you know, and, and again, we talked last night, pitchers couldn't find the strike zone, walking a number of people. Hopefully that was different. It sounds like it was much different tonight. Completely different. Completely size, by the way. There were very few walks in this game. Bob, you show me a game that has few walks, and I'll always show you a good, well-played game and a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, Indians get, uh, we talked about it last night, they had a couple of errors, so they play airless ball. Play airless ball. Yes. Uh, Howard, uh, who plays well? What are the big keys in this game tonight? Well, the two-run homer by Leva, excellent starting pitching from Luis Ortiz. He went five innings, only allowed one run. It was a home run. He was perfect for the first three and two-thirds innings, and then he gave up a home run to Dorian. And that made it uh, a three-to-one game, and it stood that way until the ninth. So the the starting pitching, the bullpen was good too, and both bullpens were good for that matter. So it was a really pleasure to watch when you have a game of under two hours and eighteen minutes. Balls are being put in play. There's good defense and good pitching. All right, what's up next? When do you guys get back home? Well, they're home tomorrow afternoon. Bo Sulser will be on the mound for the Indians. And the six-game homestand ends tomorrow afternoon, 1.35. Kids eat free every Sunday. Then on the road for a week and back home again a week from Tuesday, Bob. And after tomorrow, just three homestands remain. Wow. Wow. 
All right, we need wins. We need wins. We need people to get out to the ball yard, watch some great baseball. While you're there, stop by the gift shop by Howard's book. It's a great book. I've read it twice. 61 humorous and inspiring lessons I learned from baseball. Howard Kelman, can't do it without you on a Friday or Saturday night. Thanks so much for the call and have a great weekend. Bob, as always, thank you very much. Ball State football. That's the topic coming up. Mark Forrester from WMUN in Muncie, one of the best broadcasters in our state. Hello, Mark Forrester. Hey, Coach. Good to talk to you again. I'm glad we uh, we got some football on the horizon. Do we not? Yeah, we do. What game do you have? What do you, what game you have coming up uh, on Friday night? So Friday night we have uh, Muncie Central versus Delta. It's been an annual tradition since I Ooh. think Ooh. 2019. <laughs> Um, it's funny right. when I got to, when I got to Muncie in 2014, I always asked, "Hey, when is Muncie Central Delta going to be played?" And I, I think it was 2018. I asked that. It said, "Funny you asked that. Uh, it's on the schedule next year." So, um, so th- this will be, I think, the fourth year uh, that they played on opening night. These two teams were in sectional play back in the early 2000s, uh, but it's been a right. regular season staple for the last four or five years. And I think it's a fantastic matchup. I mean, I really do. It really is. I mean, it no, it really is. And, you know, this one, we, we had a coaching change at Muncie Central. Is that right? That's right. Kyle Padgett, who came from Centerville, is coming into his second year. Right. And there's, there's an immense buzz. And I, I, I spoke to him. Should um, be. I was at a community outing a couple couple weeks ago and loved the attendance uh, that they had in the offseason. And, again, we, we all know, you know, year one for a coach and trying to establish their program yeah. is yeah. most important. And then year two, you really settle in. Um, he was very optimistic. And they have, they have a very big senior class of 22 seniors coming back this year. Well, and, and Delta, perennially one of the better teams in that area. Good for you. What a great matchup. Uh, I'll be profoundly disappointed if you don't call me Friday night. Just so Oh, you, you know. got it, Coach. You got it. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, my love affair with Mike New, everyone knows, for those who don't know, he worked. You know what? Before I get into my Mike New story, I need to take a break. Mark, hang on, okay? You got it, Coach. Absolutely. Mark Forster and I will come back and talk Ball State football on Indiana Sports Talk. Breaking news happening as we speak. Flory Badunga just announced that he is committing to play basketball for Kansas at halftime of the Under Armour Under-24 Class of 2024 game. He just announced it as we came out from this one. That's crazy. The Kokomo stud now heading to take his talents to Kansas. And what an asset he's going to be for that squad. How about some baseball scores for you? Let's take a look at the games going on right now, and then I'll tell you what all wrapped up. How about the Diamondbacks? 3 nothing. Currently bottom of the seventh, and they are winning over the Padres. Rangers over the Giants, 4-1 to on the road, middle of the fourth. Rockies and Dodgers. L.A. leads that one 3-1, to top of the fifth in L.A. And then finally just ended the second inning on FS1. The Orioles tied with the Mariners, that one scoreless. Some scores that already happened. How about the Braves, 21-3 to over the Mets and 6 to nothing over New York as well in that doubleheader. The Cubs, winners 5-4 to over the Blue Jays. Rays beat the Guardians 6-5. to Tigers on the road 6-2 to winners over the Red Sox. The Marlins beat the Yankees 3-1. to The Twins, 
They beat the Phillies today in Philadelphia 8 to 1. The Nats beat the A's 3 to 2. That was a close one just wrapped up a little bit ago. The Astros defeated the LA Angels 11 to 3 in Houston. Brewers beat the White Sox 3 to 2 in Chicago. The Cardinals winners 5 to 4 over the Royals. And finally, the Reds and Pirates, they didn't play today. That game got postponed due to the rain up in Pittsburgh, so they will play a doubleheader tomorrow. You'll hear me again in 15 minutes. For Network Indiana Sports, I'm Nathaniel Finch. Welcome back. I missed you. I'm glad you're here. Mark Forrester, you in it. All right, you know this story. We started Indiana Sports Talk 30 years. You believe that? 30 years we've been on the air. And you've been yeah. an important part of that, as a matter of fact. You and WMUN have been an important part of that. But in the early days, right? I mean, back in season number one, uh, Mike New comes to us. He's a recent graduate of Ball State, doesn't have a job, and he works for us. He works for the show uh, for a few weeks until he was able to get himself going and doing what he wanted to do. I've never forgotten it. He's always been good to us, always been good to the show. Anyone, everybody up there knows that he's a great guy. And so I, I, I root for them because of his, uh, you know, his uh, affection for our show and, and his history with us. And so I'm excited about what they're getting into. So, so that's my story. Tell me about yeah. this edition of the Cardinals. Well, Coach, I got to tell you this uh, as an aside to that. Um, I hope people that are listening understand, Coach, 30 years with one show is <laughs> unheard of. And, you know, well, in our again, business, yeah. It, it is absolutely unheard of. And it, it is also a testament to what you do um, and, and the fact that this show keeps recreating itself. Because, again, you know, think about the, the three decades. And, again, I've been around for maybe a decade of that. Um, it, right, it, right. It, it, it's amazing how it's changed in the last 10 years of what you've had to do and the fact that you're willing to adapt and, and, and the show obviously has incredible relevance. A testament to you. Next time I have Coach New on, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mention something about Indiana sports talk. But, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, you know, there, there's no question the focus for Ball State has nothing to do with conference play at this point. The story is the fact of their first two non-conference games against SEC Kentucky – um, in early September, <laughs> and right after that, uh, right. they go to the two-time defending national champion Georgia Bulldogs. So, I, again, what, what, what I've tried to, to emphasize to fans in Muncie is, at the end of the just like every other year, your path to uh, a bowl game, your path to success happens through the Mid-American Conference. But no question about it, right. when you have those right. two high-profile games in one schedule, that takes the emphasis from, from the very start. There's no question. Yeah, and the one thing you want to do more than anything when you're playing teams like that is try to get through with as few injuries as you possibly can. Because while it's exciting to do, you can really hurt yourself literally uh, with injuries to keep people at the wrong times uh, on your squad, uh, and it's great to play those types of teams, but there's a downside to it. There's a there's an interesting part to Ball State football's offseason. To your point, um, you know, I- injuries are a big part of it. And last year, uh, they had some up and down moments from that standpoint. And, and I think it really hurts you in in mid major play than probably any other 
Um, so, I, I mean, we focus a lot on power fives. But power fives have a lot of depth when it comes down to it. Not not every sure. team. Uh, but but I, I think it hits you deeper in mid-major play. And this offseason was interesting. And, you know, we're, we're still navigating this new transfer portal world. We're navigating this new NIL world. And Ball State is a perfect example of they got hurt by the transfer portal, but they were also very beneficial in the transfer portal as well. Their offensive mm-hmm. success will come from um, the, the, the transfer from North Texas, Lane Hatcher, who was announced by Mike New as the starter for the Kentucky game. And, of course, the high-profile nature of Carson Steele going to UCLA, leading rusher in the Mid-American Conference a year ago. Well, underrated right. so, the storyline is Ball State got the second-leading rusher in the Mid-American Conference. Kent State's Marquez Cooper is going to be the starting running back this upcoming season. That's another All-Mac performer that's replacing Carson Steele. Perfect example of, yeah, you may lose in the transfer portal, but there's a real yeah. opportunity yeah. to gain as well. It's uh, a great point, Mark. It, it, it really is, and um, and I'm sure Mike and his guys, you know, scoured the portal and did the best they could. But uh, it, it's tough. It is tough to replace that number of people. So uh, offensively, you got you got the trigger man. What's it like up front? We have some returnees. We have some experience up front. I think that's the biggest point for this football team. 66 total starts between that offensive line. Um, and so speaking right. of uh, speaking of health, if that group can stay healthy, th- they'll compete right away. And that's a, you know, oftentimes the running back gets all the credit for rushing the amount of yards, yards they did. And of course, we know Carson Steele is wonderful, uh, former Mr. Football, right. all those different things. But, I mean, having an offensive line like that experience is huge. And I think the real underrated part for Ball State is last year at the end of the season, like any good defense you would want, they were playing their best football at the end of the season. There were points where the offense just couldn't be balanced enough down the stretch. And the reason they lost three of their final four games, had they won a couple of those, they would have gone to a third straight bowl game. So, you know, there, mm-hmm. the names as far as Ball State from the past three years there's going to be a lot of new names, a lot of new faces right, that right. way. But, but I, I look at it and say there's a lot of optimism that you can put yourself in, in bold position. And, again, take nothing what you see from preseason predictions because Ball State was picked second to last in the MAC West. But everything is very tight at the top at this point. And um, I, I, I think there's upside. But, again, a lot of work from now to then. But, again, one of the groups that's not going to get a lot of attention is that offensive line, 66 total starts between it. That's going to be a major key on both sides of the football. So what are the, what's the deficiency? So where's the big question mark with this football team? You know, I would say it's the wide receiver core. And nothing as far as maybe the talent that's there. It's just the fact that right. none of them have played together. You, you have, I think, one returning starter that had a – um, or not starter, but um, uh, a depth chart piece that I believe had six or seven catches. That's what you got. Um, now, you, you did get a transfer from Colorado. Um, there's a couple mm-hmm. of transfers from other spots as well. So, again, you know, just like any coach would tell you, they're recruited for a reason. Um, if they're a transfer portal right. piece, they're brought in for a reason. But that's the group that I would imagine is, is going to be the, the one to watch the most because there's not a lot of – um, a notoriety, and uh, that group is very, very new together. Pretty much everywhere else, offensive line, defensive line is very experienced. Linebacking core is very experienced. 
Uh, the running back crew, even though they didn't play together, um, it has a lot of experience elsewhere. And again, you know, the position that's always been to watch is the quarterback position this offseason. Lane Hatcher, the transfer from North Texas, named as the starter. But Kyle Kelly played at the end of last year as a dual-threat quarterback, was the highest-rated Ball State recruit a couple of years back. It, the competition's mm-hmm. not over, and I was told in June that there might be a point where you get both of those quarterbacks on the field right. together. Not that they would start, at, you know, it, that you would have a – two-quarterback system, but there might be an opportunity to get them both on the field at the same time. So you're not closing the books in the quarterback position either. I think it's going to be an interesting year regardless of what happens this year for Ball State football. All right. Open up with, what did you say, Kentucky? That's correct. That'll be fun. That'll be be a fun fun night. No question. No question. I mean, and again, I, I, I talked to Mike New and he said, you know what, if you're not challenging yourself against the best, then, then, then he didn't say what's the point, but he kind of assumed it that way. And I, I love that well, mentality. No, he's right. I love, yeah. love that yeah. mentality. And so, again, there's going to be a lot of focus on non-conference play for obvious reasons because of the high-profile nature. Sure. But, you know, Mid-American Conference play, I think it's going to be very interesting this upcoming year. Mark Forrester, thanks, Mark. I appreciate you doing it, and I really appreciate the kind words. I'm so glad you're a, you've been an important part of what we've done here uh, on Indiana Sports Talk. Enjoy the weekend, and thanks so much for doing this. Thank you, Coach. Always, always a pleasure. I can't believe uh, we're, we're, we're right at it for high school football, college football right around right. the corner, and, of course, NFL football uh, coming very soon. All right. I'll talk to you Friday. Thanks for the call. All right. Thanks, Coach. Ball State, getting ready. Hey, listen, we're going to be there. We we got games. It, it is creeping up on us. When we come back, we'll talk uh, some more racing. We'll talk a little baseball. A lot left to do. You're listening to the Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. A pleasure to be with you this evening in downtown Indianapolis. Nathaniel Finch here on Indiana Sports Talk. Jonathan Smith, our producer, with Coach Lovell. And if you missed it at our 10:15 update, Kokomo's star basketball player, Flory Badunga, he made his announcement on where he's going to go play college next year. He was deciding between Auburn, Duke, Michigan, and Kansas, and he chose Kansas. It was a huge decision that he made at halftime of the Under Armour Elite 24 game, and if you don't know who Flory Badunga is, six foot nine, number four prospect in the entire 2024 class. So he still has a year left to play at Kokomo. But get this: last season, Class 4A state runner-ups, he averaged 20 points a game, 14 rebounds a game, nearly five block shots per game, shot 81 percent from the field. Gatorade Player of the Year for our state, probably the top contender for Mr. Basketball next year. He is. An animal, and he will be playing for Kansas. As far as some soccer, how about the Indy 11? They improved to 7 7 and 9 on this season with a 1 0 win over Miami FC. Not Inter Miami, who Messi plays for, but Miami FC in the USL Championship. They get the win tonight, a much needed one for the boys in blue. As far as some racing happened at the Motor Speedway today, Scott Dixon gets the win in the Gallagher Grand Prix. Ray Hall, Award, Lungard, and Rossi finish out the top five. And then Ty Gibbs gets the win in the Pennzoil 150 at the Brickyard. Had a few guys after him in Meyer, Almendinger, Hill, and Allgaier. To finish out the top five for Network Indiana Sports, 
I'm Nathaniel Finch. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Bob Lovell. This is Indiana Sports Talk. Glad you could join us. Busy day of racing out at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. My resident gearhead, my man, the man who has been with Indiana Sports. How long have you worked for Indiana Sports Talk, Brad? Uh, about five or six years, I think, now. That seems longer than that. Brad Huber. Yeah. yeah, he's done it all. Brad Huber joins us. Brad, fun day. Scott Dixon, how about the uh, cagey veteran? Spins on the first lap, comes back, and pulls off the impossible with a win out at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway today. Yeah, that was a fantastic run there by Scott Dixon. I think he was only going to do the uh, three-stop strategy, which most of them did, or the two-stop strategy, I should say. But then when the uh, spin happened, he had to come down pit road, and that changed the strategy up a little bit. And uh, <clears throat> excuse me, when he uh, came back onto the racetrack after the final pit stop, he had a seven-second lead. And Graham Rahal did about everything he possibly could to chase down Scott Dixon, but uh, not enough that Scott Dixon was able to win by about a half a second. So it was a uh, it was a good race today, his first win of the season, and that extends his streak now to 19 straight seasons with a win for Scott Dixon. Say that again, 19 straight seasons he's had a win in IndyCar. That, that's amazing. Yeah, that is absolutely phenomenal, the Iceman. And he also broke another record today for most IndyCar starts in the history of IndyCar. So he uh, broke another record uh, when he started that race today. So the Iceman is what they uh, call him out of New Zealand, mm-hmm. uh, r- having a really good weekend. And, uh, you know, that's just, you know, when you think about that, almost two decades where he's had a, a race a win every year. That's just, uh, you know, that's almost mind-boggling to think about. Yeah, they've got to be happy if you're in the Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan racing. Uh, Graham had a, a nice run, was really making up some ground uh, on, on Dixon, and Dixon able to hold him off. But, you know, after the disappointment of the 500, to be able to have the, uh, you know, be on the pole and do what they've done, they have to be very happy about uh, today's race. Yeah, without a doubt. And you had Graham Ray Hall, who won the pole and then finished second, and Christian Lungard who uh, started on the front row also and finished fourth for that Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan racing team. So, yeah, I think he feels a lot better and, uh, you know, builds confidence now for the rest of the season after that horrible Indianapolis 500. It seems like that team is a lot better on the road course at Indianapolis. Christian Lungard won the pole for that race back in May. So, but, yeah, Graham Ray Hall, he thinks he should have had it. He thought that only caution flag went a few laps too long, and that helped in the uh, – Fuel economy for Scott Dixon, at least what he said in the uh, post-race press conference. Uh, if that race had gone uh, green a couple of laps earlier, uh, it probably would have been Graham Rahal in victory lane today. So, you know, at least that's what he said in the post-race press conference. But a lot of good momentum built for that RLL team as they head to Gateway in a couple of weeks. Brad Huber, Brad, thank you so much for being there. All the work you did trying to corral everybody, I appreciate it. Great to hear from you. Uh, we'll talk to you later, but thank you so much. Have a great weekend. Yeah, you too. I'll talk to you uh, with football next Friday. I'll look forward to it. Thanks, Brad. Thank you, Coach. We continue to talk about racing with a man who has forgotten more than the rest of us, especially me, know about it. From FS1, Adam Alexander joins us. Adam, thank you for the call. Xfinity race in, in Indy. Ty Gibbs with a win. 
pretty solid day for the that, that team with a good, impressive win for Ty Gibbs today. No doubt. I mean, he's he really, I think, gained some confidence today, a little extra track time, you know, before he goes out and runs the cup race tomorrow. And this is a huge weekend for him, a, a big three weeks as he tries to make his way into the playoffs. But any time he goes over and runs an Xfinity car, he's going to be a threat. Of course, he won a championship last year running full-time now mm-hmm. in rookie season in, in cup. And you know, he bounces over and runs that Xfinity car, uh, you know, five, six times a year. And uh, he's, he's someone who uh, has really become a great road racer. Uh, you know, if you go back uh, two seasons ago, he made his first ever start in the Xfinity series on the road course at Daytona and won in, in his first ever start. So I think at that point, uh, everybody knew exactly how talented he was, what he was capable of. And here we are two years later, and he's not only winning on the Xfinity side, he's an Xfinity champion and uh, on the verge of making the playoffs as a cup rookie. So he's a, a very, very talented race car driver. Do, do we have any concept as fans how hard it is to do what he did? You know, you're running a limited, even though he was the champion last year in Xfinity, you're running a limited Xfinity team. So you're not out there with those guys every day, with that car every day. To do what he did has to be very difficult. Well, I think the the thing is the the Xfinity car is different than the Cup car, and and so even though yeah. you're getting that extra track time, you know you you got to kind of compartmentalize what car you're in, and and you know go back and forth um, can be challenging because you don't get as as much practice as what we used to. The thing that mm-hmm. helps tie is his comfort level of driving with the same organization that, that he's been with when he won the championship last year right, drove right. two years ago. And he's got a great crew chief when he goes with the Xfinity side and Jason Ratcliffe, who's, you know, really one of the best all time on the pit box in the Xfinity series. So, you, you know, there are some challenges, but I, I think the talent and the resources probably outweigh the difficulties of going back and forth and and certainly the pros outweigh the cons when you're doing double duty just because even though it's hectic and you got to bounce back and forth and you know make sure you mm-hmm. don't develop any habits on saturday that are going to hurt you on sunday uh he he's someone uh because of what he's got around him is able to do that quite easily and, and i think we'll see how that extra track time pays off tomorrow does it i mean yeah that's a great question because you would think you know, this whole concept of momentum that we toss around in the world of sports, he has to have some of that coming out of that win today without question. Well, I think that, yeah, I mean, there's there's the, the momentum. And I think the other thing is when you're road racing, even though the cars on Saturday and Sunday are different, racing on a road course is very much about rhythm and, and hitting your marks lap after lap and getting that mm-hmm. track time today gets him in the flow. And and I think in addition to that, and, and, and you know, that momentum goes both ways. I, I've said it forever. You know, you know, we think of it as Saturday setting up Sunday. You know, the reality mm-hmm. is he had a great qualifying run, had a very fast car in practice on the cup side. Earlier today, that was probably a nice setup and confidence builder to him go out and have the success that he had uh, in the race this afternoon. So I, I think, you know, the momentum goes both ways, but probably the biggest thing is just finding your rhythm. And, and when he hits the track tomorrow, he's going to be in a really good place where other drivers probably going to have to go through that adjustment period on 
on restarts and, uh, you know, just the, the normal nuances that you will have right. in the early portion of any race, and he'll already be there. Cup race coming up tomorrow. Daniel Suarez on the pole. What about that run? Well, it's interesting. I mean, we talk about Ty Gibbs, and you know, he's right there just above the cut line at plus three. Michael McDowell is three out, and he qualifies on row two. And Daniel Suarez is five out, and he starts on the pole. So you've got some mm-hmm. drivers there that that are trying yeah. to make the playoffs, <laughs> and they all yeah. have great qualifying runs today. That the one that didn't, AJ Allmendinger. You know, AJ has won this race two years ago in Indianapolis, and He's 24 points below the cut line. He ran today, had a good car, not good enough to win. Uh, and and he qualified 26 for tomorrow's race. So that was a bit of a, a head scratcher. But most of those guys right around the cut line had great qualifying efforts. And uh, it's going to be real fun to watch them race tomorrow the next couple of weeks to see who makes it in. You got time to stick around? One more segment, one short segment, talk some racing? Sure. You are the man. Adam Alexander. Now, don't forget, I can't imagine you haven't seen Race Hub on FS1. NASCAR Race Hub, you got to see the handsome co-host. You know, you can put that voice to that face. Um, It's one of my favorite shows. I actually get smarter. Doesn't take much. I want you to know, but I watch it. Adam, thanks. Hang on. We'll come back and talk more racing. I appreciate it. Scoreboard update coming up. This is Indiana Sports Talk. Nathaniel Finch with your network. Indiana scoreboard update. The Chicago Cubs winners 5-4 to four over the Toronto Blue Jays in Toronto. It was Julian Merriweather who got the wins because he came in late. Here's how the game went. Toronto scored the first run in the third inning. Chicago via a Dansby Swanson three-run homer. Four runs in the fourth to take that 4-1 lead. Toronto started fighting back, though. Two in the fifth, one in the sixth. Now we're tied for the last half of this game. It was the Cubs, though, with an RBI double from Christopher Morrell. Let's play that one for you here to get the win in the top of the ninth. In the air, down the line. Fair ball. It's going to bang up against the wall. Here comes Belly into second. Morrell tags safe. It's an RBI double. That's Cody Bellinger to score. So Merriweather gets the win coming in in that final inning. Detroit also winners up in Boston. 6-2 to two was their score. Matt Manning gets the win, pitching five and a third. Detroit scored the first two runs of the game. Then Boston started to fight back with a run in the fourth. Two more from Detroit in the fifth. A run in the sixth. A run in the eighth. That gets you the six for Detroit. Guardians. Not as lucky against Tampa Bay. This one was a walk-off, though. How about this? Cleveland had the lead pretty handily going into the bottom of the ninth. Three runs scored by Tampa, including that last one from Randy Arozarena, an RBI single to walk it off, and they win 6-5 to five over the Guardians. St. Louis 5-4. They beat the Royals. Nathaniel Finch with Network Indiana Sports. Welcome back, everybody. This is Indiana Sports Talk. Busy day out at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Busy day tomorrow. Cup race. Uh, Should be a lot of fun. Adam Alexander from FS1 rejoins us. 
Adam, we mentioned Daniel Suarez, Tyler Reddick, Chase Elliott, Michael McDowell, and Kyle Busch round out the top five. And you talked about the drama that's there on people trying to work their way in to the playoffs uh, as if there's not enough drama in a cup race. You got that added element tomorrow. Yeah, that, that'll be big, and it's something we'll follow you know, the next three weeks before the postseason begins at Darlington Labor Day weekend. And I think the, the added element tomorrow and next uh, weekend at Watkins Glen is that we no longer get cautions at the end of the stages. And, and so you race through that. Mm. And and that changes the way you handle the strategy because you don't know when yeah. the caution's going to come out. And and then, you know, but you're still handing out those stage points, and that's could be your ticket, you know, into the playoffs. And and so if you're a guy like Daniel Suarez or Michael McDowell who qualified up there in the top five, you feel like I got a great car, I can win this race, and that's an automatic ticket to the playoffs. But if the strategy says, you know, don't stay out and get those points, then then you're giving up, you know, an opportunity to gain on that cut mm-hmm. line to try to win. And then if you don't win, you maybe you put yourself behind the eight ball <laughs> uh, as far as qualifying. So there, there's a mm-hmm. whole lot of stressful decisions that will be made both tomorrow and next Sunday at Watkins Glen just because of the format of the road courses and the way they play out from a strategy perspective. And, and then, you know, you look, there's some guys that are probably in must-win situations mm-hmm. that are going to, you know, have to get it done in the next couple of weeks if they're going to make it into the playoffs. And, and they're really good road racers. And the one that really comes to mind is Austin Sendrick. And, and so I'm curious yeah. to see how they handle things and what he's capable of. You mentioned Watkins Glen, and, and, and you know, obviously we're in Indy. Uh, are those tracks alike in any way? I mean, as venues – you know, they're both road courses, obviously, but I'm I'm just curious what it's like to go from from Indy now out to Watkins Glen. I would say that that there's a lot more undulation. You know, you, you have some up and down uh, at right. Watkins Glen that, that you don't have at Indy. Obviously, Indy's a you know a very flat surface. You don't have a, a ton of elevation change at Watkins Glen, but you do have a little bit. Uh, and and so you know, it's I would say there just aren't a lot of similarities fact as you said you know they're both road courses and and there are always going to be some elements that are comparable when you go from one road course to another right right i would say though the drivers that are good tomorrow typically are going to be really good at watkins Glen or any other road course race that we go to the the aj allmendingers um you know tyler reddick is always really good suarez is a good road racer martin Truex jr chase elliott kyle larson those are the names we typically talk about probably will tomorrow and likely will uh, again next week as well. It would make my head spin to know all the stuff you know. <laughs> I mean, come come on now. It isn't fair. <laughs> you know, when, you know, you, you're good at what you do. You've done it for a long time. But all of these things in terms of uh, strategies and how you do this and how you do that. That's why I say you got to watch Race Hub, learn stuff. All right, have fun tomorrow. What time you go on? What time? What time do your responsibilities start tomorrow? Uh, we got race day tomorrow at noon on FS1, and uh, you know I'll tell you a great storyline for fans tomorrow. Chase Elliott, NASCAR's most popular driver, has not won a race yet this year. Going to need wow. to win to get in the playoffs. Good road racer, best among active drivers, and he's got a fast car starting up front tomorrow. So. 
uh, this could be big. You know, a, a driver like Chase Elliott, right. who's a champion, uh, you know, has means so much to the the sport and the Elliott name. Sure. To be able to win an Indy and, and lock into the playoffs would be something pretty special. I, I think he'll be a player tomorrow. I always love having you. You know that. I appreciate it. I really do. Adam, thanks so much. Have a great weekend. Have fun tomorrow. Okay. Sounds good, Bob. Thanks so much. Adam Alexander from FS1. Catch him tomorrow at noon for the pre-race. He's been with us all 30 years. That's that's pretty. It's something to be really proud of. Thank you so much, Adam. Short break. We'll come back, talk some more on Indiana Sports Talk. Welcome back. We're flying. We're flying through this night right now. My thanks to everybody who's called in. We got uh, you know, coming up in the eleven o'clock hour. We're going to talk baseball, talk a little more uh, racing, and a conversation with one of my favorites, Paul Condry from the Regional Radio Sports Network and the Indiana Football Digest. What do you think we're talking about? Oh, wait a second. Friday the 18th, opening night for high school football. How about that? (laughs) Yes, it's here. We're ready. Uh, Obviously, this is our 30th season of doing the show, uh, and we got started uh, in 1994 on that opening night of high school football. And the... uh, and the irony here, Nathaniel, Nathaniel Finch, are you, you? can you hear me? Are you with me? Oh, yeah. All right, so let me tell you what. Season number one, the people don't realize this. A lot of people don't understand this, but we started out, we encouraged people. We wanted this to be a call-in show, okay? Obviously, I don't take calls. Um, I, I have one of the best gigs going because I do a sports show, uh, and I don't, I don't talk, I don't take call-ins. But our plan was, if you were at a high school football game on that Friday night, we wanted you to call us and talk about your team. Talk about your team and talk about who played well and give us an idea of what's going on. And and that that was what we did. We started out that way. And after six weeks or so, maybe not even that much, uh, we decided to change to the format we, we now do. And that's talk to coaches and talk to media people because – Part of the issue that we didn't think through was, uh, yeah, people are going to call the show, but most of those calls in those first few weeks were from um, establishments that serve alcohol, and our our callers were were <laughs> they were they were hard to manage, so to speak, and so we changed and then went all information and put the onus on me and. It was fun, but uh, we've been doing it that long, and it was it was you know I think it was a great idea uh, to do it in terms of the execution of it. We had to change how we went about doing it. So uh, it's gratifying to be on this long. Uh, it's uh, also surprising. I had no intention of doing Indiana Sports Talk for thirty years. I, I, as bad as I was at the beginning, I thought if we could squeeze out. Six weeks uh, would be a miracle. And so we managed to get a little bit better and a little bit better. And then uh, people loved the idea and loved the concept. The coaches and media people started to call, and and they're the ones who carry the show. I, I'm just – look, I get you from scoreboard update to scoreboard update. Um, and, you know, don't overvalue <laughs> what I do. It's uh, – yeah, I mean, 30 years is, is, is quite a milestone, and I'm incredibly proud of it. But – 
got a lot of people along the way uh, to thank for all of that. And at the appropriate time, we'll we'll certainly do that. All right. So we got a scoreboard update coming up, and we got much more to come. Don't forget to join us next Friday or this Friday. I've always been confused about that particular thing. Friday night, the 18th, join us for high school football. Top of the hour scoreboard update with the, the aforementioned Nathaniel Finch. This is Indiana Sports Talk.